Hey everybody, this is Eric from EFP. Welcome to episode 32. Yeah, I know it's been a while. Between the broken microphones, the holidays, there's just a little bit of time off. And then Anchor updated to something amazing. And I had to kind of, you know, retouch base and learn it. Make sure I loved it. Separate account, all that jazz. But today, we are here to kick off what I think is going to be a pretty amazing episode. And for me, I think this because it's the most difficult thing for a lot of GMs, at least it is from the poll that I've done, the players that I've talked to, and the designers and GMs that I deal with almost daily. Today, we are going to talk about the art of negotiation. That's right, how to maybe even come to an agreement at the table between PC and PC, or maybe even player and player. So I've been sitting on this for a long time, and and maybe far a bit too long. I figured around the Christmas and people wanting what they want and you negotiate their presence. No, I'm kidding. I just thought that maybe your players and you might want to get into how actually to, to make a deal, to do this right. I have years of sales as a background and that helps some, but there's some improv stuff and some other things that we can do, but I want to break down how negotiation works. So let's, let's just dive into the points we'll be going over today. We have what is negotiation, how to frame one. Empathy, wants, and motivations, game mechanics, skill, or player ideas, give and take, and of course the closing. So let's just stop beating around the bush and dive into this show. So what is negotiation? Everyone negotiates at least once a day. They say there are seven elements to it. There's interest, there's legitimacy, relationships, alternatives, options, comments, and communication. And we could break all these down, but then we're getting into a real crunchy way to handle negotiation at a table. So instead, I want to kind of break it down into a little more bite-sized, easier things. Maybe Actually, I shouldn't say bite-sized, um, combining some of this stuff. So for major scenes, like ones found in Shadowrun between a runner and a Johnson, uh, you, can, you can set the tone and add personality as needed. And personality, I think, is extremely important before you even get into what a negotiation is. You need to know what that NPC wants and how they act and, and what they, how they feel about things. If someone says something, how they're going to react to them with their personality. So, for example, if it's a king, does he get mad if he's patronized or talked down to? Um, are we talking about ransom money? And if so, what's the personality behind the guy holding the ransom? Is this a shop owner that you're trying to get a magical item from or a new gun cheaper? If so, is he willing to break that margin? Is his personality type, hey, I'm here for the people, your heroes, maybe I'll cut you a deal? Or is he a screw the screw the heroes, I'm just going to raise the fucking price as much as I want. Make sure there's a reason, and it's not a GM reason only. It's not just a GM going, I don't want people buying stuff. I want to make everything 300% more. Make sure that personality makes sense. Is the personality because the NPC wants to join you, and the negotiation is him asking the player, hey, can I adventure with you guys? I, I need something done, and if that's the, my own cost of possible harm, I'll, I'll go with you. So have that personality kind of together for your your negotiation. And that brings us into what is a negotiation? Well, a negotiation to me is when one side of the party wants something or both parties want something. 
Because it's either going to be one or it's going to be both. And at the end of the day, I think both wins over. Because when a player is negotiating with a shopkeeper, this is the classic for a fantasy, they are trying to buy something. He is trying to make money. They both want something. Your player wants the gear, and the shop owner wants to make his cash so he can continue on. That's a real basic style, basic thing. And the negotiation is what price is the player going to get it at? And we've played a lot of video games that have this where... You know, you can say you want it for more, and they may get offended, and you can lower it down, and they may get a little more offended. There's ways to do that. In tabletop, you should have a barometer of kind of where this guy's willing to go for his price. And the players should be willing to break. And I think the way that this is communicated in negotiation is a GM can say if that person is getting frustrated or not. You can read the expression on them. You could make them make extra checks if it's a pivotal moment. But if you just need information to go out, just give it to the player. You don't always need to make a check. If it's something a little more elaborate, and, and I always take Shadowrun for this with the new living community we've been running, Shadowrun is all about negotiation between the runners and the Johnson or the runners and their fixer. Fixer sets him up with the job, the Johnson tells him what he wants, and the players start talking, and there's this weird setup. And we'll get into that in framing a scene for negotiation, but a Johnson wants something, and that always isn't known he may say hey i need you to go plant evidence in this corporation but you don't know why and you definitely don't know why before noonian has talked about the money in shadow run so why 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 is this johnson there what is his personality behind it well johnson's don't want to be known hence the name and i always have a personality for my johnson in general um, i give them a general descriptor for myself like friendly dangerous um is willing to negotiate about price, but not about the job, or won't give out the scope of the job until money is paid, or gives too much information out, out front because he's a relatively green Johnson. And I have little notes for myself, so that as I'm playing this personality, I'm there. And as the PCs begin that negotiation about the job, finding out the little bit of detail they can, and then the new yin is thrown out, and then the negotiations for new yin happen, now that comes into mins and max and caps and what that guy can actually afford. And obviously, he doesn't want to pay too much, but too little, and the job would be sloppy. For me as the GM, I write down Nguyen minimum, maximum, and my starting point, just like you'd negotiate for a car you're buying. And then the players can ask for other things, and I'll deduct that from the Nguyen. Like, hey, man, we'll do this, but we want half up front. And uh, we also would really like to get... Mm, transportation so we're not using one of our own cars because it sounds like we may lose the car and i deduct that out of there like all right well i was gonna pay you guys you know twelve thousand million but i'll do it for 10 if i'm giving you the car as well and i'll give you that 5k up front and then they roll off and that's the important part that roll happens and your mechanics in your game will help you with that negotiation in there is margins of success or net hits determine how much more or little you get so Negotiation is about getting what you want on both sides of the table between two PCs and NPC PC. Just keep that in mind and get that personality together. But next up, let's talk about framing. Framing a scene. Framing a negotiation scene can be complex or as simple as you want it to be, but it is important. I use this as a guideline. I usually set the visual scene, the area they're in, what things look like. If you're in an office, talking about this, if you're in a train station or in a dark corner, if you're under neon lights inside of a bar, 
out back with cars and motorcycles starting up, leaving and running as snow was falling. I set the visual scene so people know where we're at. Maybe it's tense, though. Maybe it's, well, it's you, the man you're negotiating with, Chavo, and his 16 goons. AKs armed, their car lights blazing at you. And it's just you and the four heroes. You know you are outnumbered for this. But if you want to get the mayor's daughter back, this is the only way. Make the scene matter. From there, I like to take the scene and explain rules to the PCs so they know what they can expect and how to use them. This part of negotiation should be open. They should understand it. There shouldn't be questions. Your, your PC shouldn't be going, well, I didn't know I could do that. You should let them know what they can do, and it will make your life easier. If you have time before your actual adventure you're running to share out the negotiation rules, do it. Or if you can print out little cards for them, do it. I did this once for Shadows of the Demon Lord and their social uh, interactions, and, and it's like social combat. Really important to do. It helps players keep in mind what they can and cannot do during a scene. Um, and I like to frame it that way by giving them the rules. Roles should be more than success and failure. Yeah, you got rules. Let's take uh, D&D. You got advantage and disadvantage. The scene starts out, you have a bard. He has advantage on social interactions, persuading people. And you're trying to persuade Chavo, you know, or, well, we won't use Chavo. We'll do a fantasy one because that was obviously not. Let's say your bard is getting ready to negotiate with the shopkeeper. And that shopkeeper is pretty stubborn and you've never worked with them before it's a new city and you're an elf and he doesn't really like other races that much so your bard decides to negotiate he's got advantage in this gm says you would have had advantage i'm taking it away with a disadvantage because he does not like elves let's start conversation before we make any rolls then you guys go into the conversation about buying a bag of holding and the bard's like listen we are working for the city we need this bag of holding to be able to bring back all the things that were stolen from your city i would love to help out doing this were any of your objects stolen i see you have some smashed glass in here if i didn't even describe that smashed glass in the scene i would give that to the player because it's smart and he's playing the story up maybe even the story i wasn't developing maybe he asked if there was smashed glass and i would have been like sure yeah he was robbed too let the player go with it i'd be like all right i'm giving you an advantage back for that I said, let's make a roll for the beginning of this to see if he's even willing to talk. You make your roll. The bard makes it. So the guy's like, all right, listen, man. I'm willing to talk to you about this, but uh, y'all got to understand. People who stole from us are elves. I really don't want you working for me. How do I know you're not one of them? And there, you've given away something with that success. He knows he hates elves because of what's happened. So the bard, continuing the conversation, listen, do I look like an elf? that robs people i am dressed to the nine i don't rob the people behind me i got a dwarf a half orc and a human we didn't rob you we're heroes man we are here to help you in this city granted we're getting paid for it all i need to do is buy this bag from you you're not paying me i'm paying you to let me help you how about we do it at a little bit of a discount well he's already got advantage and i haven't changed that so we go into rolls again See how I'm making sure roles mean something. He got an advantage for being smart about describing broken glass. 
I took away that disadvantage. Make sure the rolls have a purpose other than you just trying to make it more difficult or easier based on your GM whim. Make it make sense in your story. Resolution. Resolution's hard, man. We frame the scene. You know, I set up these things. I describe the scene. I explain how rolls will work and how they can get bonuses. And I tell them the resolution of this is obviously you guys want to buy the bag, right? All right, let's go into scene. The resolution, there's many ways, and, and every system's different. Sometimes it's you have a different form of hit points in social combat. Maybe there's a baseline success, like he'll sell the bag at cost. Negative is he'll sell it at 150% of cost. And a really good one is maybe he'll give it to you at 75% of cost. And if you crit this, do amazingly, like hit all three successes, you do three rolls for this conversation to interact, maybe he gives it to you for free. These are the things that matter, and they make story. But before we go into NPC motivations, I want to quickly talk about my sponsor. I will say, the sponsorship stuff that they've added to Anchor has been amazing. And I know everyone here sponsors and shows, and that, that's a pre-recorded one. They ask us to do that. But I have to say, the fact that they are doing this, making it easy for podcasters to find sponsors is amazing. So... If you can find the time to click it in the Anchor app uh, and look at that, that would help me keep the show on the air. And that's why we do this. And honestly, I'm only going to pick things that I have researched or supported. Um, if you need to question me on it or you have questions, call in and, and I will answer them. Enough of that, though. Let's get on to game mechanics. Game mechanics, though, are how we're going to handle everything we've talked about, the how to negotiate the framing. Game mechanics is going to be the, the meat and potatoes, what we do after the role-playing has happened. So if your game has mechanics for social combat and negotiations, one, read them. Read the shit out of them. Write notes down. They're usually not difficult. I think the hardest ones I've seen are in, oh, Song of Fire and Ice, and OA had some really good ones, but the rest of them are no more than a couple pages. Do the due diligence 30 minutes before. Read those if you think negotiation is going to happen. And you may go, how do I know that? Well, if you're doing Shadowrun, it always happens. If you're playing D&D, &D, think about negotiations for a mission they're doing, an adventure, or if they're going to a town to buy stuff. You know what's going to happen. And if you want it to be a cool scene, use it. If the buying stuff isn't pivotal, it doesn't drive the story, let people shop around, um, and have people do it between your sessions. Cheat sheets for the players. Make them. They don't take long. Write them on note cards if you don't have a printer. Or send them out as text messages. Or if you use a Discord, cut and paste them and put them in Discord and pin them so everybody knows. We've been doing a lot of that lately. And then make an NPC sheet. And this is really important. And I can talk about all the game mechanics in the world that, you know, Shadows of the Demon Lord has social combat where you pick different avenues of conversation and there's attacks and defenses, and it's really clean and easy, and you do hit point damage. Dragon Age, it's about threshold success. There are many ways to do it, and there are a lot of great published things, even online, for doing negotiation for 5e. So look at those, pick one, stay with it, and try it out. And play it a couple times before you decide you don't like it. But make sure you know the rules, because the more fluid a negotiation is, the more real it's going to feel. And then the NPC sheet. Here's what's on my NPC sheets. I always have the name. I know that sounds dumb, but naming on the fly can be hard for people. John Williams doesn't come off of everybody's you know, tip of their tongue all the time. Or Zicklebrack is also not something people think of. Write it down, because in the moment you will forget. Put the personality down. Personality for me is the thing we talked about in the beginning. Who they are, what they are, what they're like. 
how they handle things. They're brash and kind of dickish. Or is it really whimsical and I love to sell and buy things from people? Or is your personality straight and to the point and snooty? Um, I am happy to sell you things, but remember, money is everything. Those things matter. And I put down some voice notes, keywords, high tone, really heady, or loves to use the um, but, or whatever it is I'm using. Secrets. Do they secretly have, you know, a like a drug trafficking area out of the back? Are they really a master craftsman that is now selling used goods because their hand has been broken? Are they cursed and they need to sell so many souls under the table to get back from he out of hell? Like, what secrets do they have? Is their wife the brain behind the business, but she doesn't talk? Is this person a captive at the front table? Or is it like Critical Role where there's like clones of them? What's the secret? What's the, it doesn't have to be dark. It could be light. It could be a secret is the man loves cigars. And if you have cigars, he'll always give you a discount. He'll trade. Then you want a description. Description's broad. It could be the shop they own. It could be how they handle certain things in negotiation. It could be what they look like. And I think that's pretty important. And then limits. Set your limits for the negotiation on the note card. We will do X. He will not do Y. She will absolutely kill the PCs if they threaten anyone in the room because she's a queen. Off with their heads. Put your limits down. Maybe it's gold limits. Uh, he has 100 gold he can buy with, um, and then he's willing to maybe barter up to 300 gold worth of product. Then you want social. How they are liked socially. Do people like them in general? Do people look at them as a good person? Are they liked by the town if they're a shopkeeper? Is this a Johnson that has never stabbed runners in the back? See, honest, true. And then the attitude. How are they? We talked about snooty earlier. Yes, I don't believe that we've met because I'm high society. Who are you and what are you worth to me? Those attitudes can matter. So look up some different types. If it's Johnson's, they're usually kind of shady until the deal has been struck. And then you find out their true colors. Or maybe you don't find out till after the run. But make sure you have an attitude written down. And the most important thing out of all the stuff we've done right now, wants. What does the NPC want? Now I say this is an NPC want, but it could be wants for the city, wants for the kingdom, it could be the wants for their child that is ill that the players don't know about yet. That could be part of the negotiation. And all you need is a little note card for this, and it works great. And I write a whole bunch of them out. I have a deck of negotiation cards and NPC cards. And they're, for me, have slowly become the same thing, where the front of it is who the person is and the back is when I negotiate or play them socially. Because I find that social stuff happens more. If I'm going to go into combat, those are stat blocks. That's different depending on the system. But these cards can be used for any system. And in the upper right-hand corner, I label the kind of setting they are a part of. There's a specific setting like Magic and Monsters, Marks of Men. I'll put the uh, four M's at the top. It's for my homeworld of Thontia, I'll put the big E. If it's for Planescapes, you know, I'll put PS or Planescapes up there. So on and so forth. And then broad ones like modern sci-fi and fantasy. But game mechanics, study them and know them. It'll help you when you get into the deep of it. Skills and player ideas. 
These are both in the same category, and it's not a long discussion. But first off, you need to know the skills in your games and what they are used for, and if there are margins of success for that skill in negotiation and social combat. Double-check them. There's a lot on it in Shadowrun. There's a decent amount on it in like Shadows of the Demon Lord. Pathfinder has a lot on it if you're playing the old Pathfinder. The new one doesn't have a ton, but in time, Pathfinder 2.0 will. But make sure you know the skills that are in use. Is a bluff? Is a diplomacy? Is there a negotiation? Can investigation be, be used? But also let player ideas help run the social combat, the, the negotiation combat. And I say that because player ideas are what make a game memorable for them and most of the time for you. Think about this. If a player says, I'm really bad at negotiation, but we're never coming back to this town. And you're like, no, no, you're not coming back here. Why? Half-orc gets that grin on his face. He's like, yo, I got this. He walks up to the guard, says, I'm coming in the city. I don't care if the doors are locked. You're going to open them, or we're going to have problems. And he uses Intimidate for his negotiation. Maybe your game doesn't have that, but we've all watched Batman. We've all watched that anti-hero Intimidate people. Let them use it. Or during negotiations, maybe he wants to use a show of strength. Maybe he's... At a forge. And that dwarf says, Yeah, I ain't selling this to you. That, that sword's too heavy for you. And the guy goes, Oh, is it now? And looks to his friend, the female barbarian. She walks over, grabs the anvil, and hoists it off the ground. And use that as part of it. Showing through strength you're worthy of what the negotiation is about. Other skills are usable and applicable. And give your players bonuses for good ideas. Earlier we mentioned that bar talking about broken glass in the shop. You never mentioned that. But man, why wouldn't you let a player use that for being creative? Say yes more than no. I only say no for these negotiations when it's outside the realm. Or I think the players are going to strike the wrong chord. Guy's like, well, I'm just going to punch him in the face. And I go, you can do that. But remember, there are a lot of guards around. Sure you want to do that? Because your players might be pretty mad. Those kind of things, reminders, help. Being out of character for certain things can work. When you're not doing a LARP, a live-action role-play, you're playing at the table. Sometimes you've got to break character to keep everyone on the same page. That, that's it for skills and player ideas. I, just, I want you to remember that you can use other skills and what are mentioned, and that player ideas should drive the negotiation itself. Magic and Monsters, Marks of Men, is now available on Patreon. From award-winning Game Master Eric Frankhaus comes a new 5th edition setting of High Magic. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash Eric Frankhaus presents. Negotiation. The give and take. It's like tug of war. Each person holding on to what they want, half of the rope being for one side, half being for the other. Until the one person pulls along that finish line, nobody wins. So this give and take, think of it like rounds of boxing with the fighters going after what they want most. And then one win, you could lose or you could draw. Decide how many back and forth there needs to be, aka probably skill checks in your game or how much social hit points someone has, depending on what you're playing. Whatever the mechanics are for your game. Decide how many you want to have. One, two, three, and so on. This will determine how long a social combat is going to be and how 
deep you're going to let that NPC dig into keeping what they want or getting what they want or not giving something up. So what changes after each round? Is the money gain change? The attitude change? A lot of games is as you negotiate, the NPC's personality or attitude changes from like harmful to, you know, doesn't care to, hey, I like this guy to we're friends by the end of the conversation. That stuff matters because when you have that attitude box on that card, you can just mark kind of where their attitude is at that time. Or on the card at the top, put currently friendly, currently hates them. Currently, the PCs only have 10K, and he will kill them if he sees them. Like, those are the things you can put up there. But each round back and forth, decide how much will be given up in those partitions. And if you're really getting detailed by margins of success or about a hit point damage it's done, whatever the measuring stick is for the social combat in your game. But keep those in mind, because give and take is huge. That's negotiation, man. Like... It's about reading the other player, and you need to give the player something to read. If you're really good, you can do the emotions on your face as if you were the NPC, if you've been in character. If not, you can give social cues. You can ask for checks for those, judge intention, sense motive, whatever they may be. If you really want people to look at how that person's playing, like, well, you get it, but they're lying. If you want the social combat to be really deep for what they notice, have those skills written down for yourself, and you can roll them and say, well, you noticed this or that. But remember, the number one thing is to drive the story forward, even if that means failing forward. There's always an out. There's always a resolution. Don't ever leave it in limbo for too long. Nobody likes being in that argument forever. Ever been in an argument with a significant other that just seems to go and go and go? Maybe after a night of drinking, you get home and you're, arguing about something dumb like letting the dog out. Yeah, maybe this is from personal experience. But our arguments that go that long never come to a solution. And that's not fun. And we're here to have some damn fun. So keep a solution. Keep a resolution. Even if it is the players don't get what they want. And you're like, you can obviously tell this guy's just not going to do what you want. You could go to another place. This is a small town. He's the only shop. Or you could go to another Johnson. Or you could just accept what he's willing to give you and just realize you didn't win. Or the opposite. You just made a great friend. You can come back to this guy whenever you want for whatever you want. And he'll do his best to help you because he likes you as a person. Unless you upset that balance. This idea of give and take is what makes those things possible. And makes a deeper role-playing experience. So, there was a call-in a few weeks ago that doesn't have to do with this episode, but I really wanted to put it in here. Uh, so, we'll just kind of reach into the voicemail bag here and put it out. And I wanted to say thanks, Spike Pitt, for contacting. I saw these two, and I wanted to give you some time to try it before I put it on the air to see how it worked for you. Maybe have a conversation about it. So, let's talk about passive skills and passive stealth and passive skills in general, passive works also in this negotiation. If someone has a great sense motive, you don't need to make them have those roles. You can just say that paladin knows what's going on or that 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 guy who's a face for Shadowrun is so good he can read that Johnson because he is just that skilled. So let's take this passive stealth, stealth call and talk it over. Hi Eric, it's me again calling at Spike Pit, just following on from what I was saying before. I'm imagining with the system you're talking about with passive stealth roles, you could also more or less do passive anything roles given the right circumstances. So I would also welcome your thoughts on that idea. 
hope that's fairly self-explanatory. Cheers then, catch you later. Oh, and I'm enjoying the podcast, by the way. Thanks, Spike Pitt, for calling in. And uh, I'll have to start listening to your podcast. I just added you in. And this will be... Yeah, my podcast will be picking up speed here. i got a lot of stuff going on. And when I travel, it's actually easier to record, believe it or not. I'm not at home doing maps. Passive Stealth. Yeah, I was having the same problem. I had a spy in my game, and Iris the Spy was so stealthy that having her roll every five seconds wasn't fun. And since passive perception existed, passive stealth needed to exist as well. And I did run into that hurdle you're talking about where it's a group trying to stealth. And the way I did it was like this. I had everybody give me their passive stealth rolls. I took the person who was the lowest and compared it against the highest passive perception. If there was a failure, I told that person, you have two choices. You can either be seen or you can try to roll, and if you fail, you take the whole group with you. The reason I did this is you could still stealth in a room and have someone be seen and have the rest of people not, and I didn't want to punish everyone. So it was, do you want to be a distraction, or do you realize you broke a twig and want to make that roll, Um, or did someone point to you? That's how I handled it. The other thing you could do is, and I can't believe I'm going to say, go back to D&D 4th Edition, but the idea of the skill challenge rolls... You could take the group and say, out of your five, I need you to have three successes versus two failures. And if each person, your three top highest, beat the DC of the highest passive perception that they're against, you're good to go. You could do that. It gets a little tricky then. Um, I, I don't know how well that would work. What we ended up doing was what I mentioned previously. And as for using passive for any skill, you're absolutely right. And I do use it for a lot of things. I use it to hasten my RPG experience with things like D&D. Even with Shadowrun, you can buy net hits. And I do that as well for things I just don't feel like having people roll for. I have a little note card uh, or a note in the front of my book right now that says what each player is really known for and good at. And if they use Sense Motive all the time and they barely ever fail that, good. I had a guy in that game who intimidated a Beholderkin down from trying to zap him while he was petrified. Like, that's some serious intimidation. So there's times where that guy just talks, and he's like, I'm going to intimidate him. I'm like, well, this guy's a peon. You do not need to roll. He does what you want. It allows players to feel that, hell yes, the time I've put into certain things makes me good at them. So Spike Pit, I hope that helps you out. And then call in. I'd love to hear how this worked for you in your games. Um, And if you have any questions for any of the people out there, Call into the show. Anything about how this negotiations worked um, and what made me think of it, or if you have questions about other episodes, call in, let me know the episode, and I'll get you on the air. All right, everybody, that is it for EFP today and negotiations and the art of how to do it. And closing, you, you may have noticed the few months I've been off. And like I said earlier, there was a broken microphone and I wasn't sure if I was going to keep using Anchor. And now this update has kept me here. I don't think I'm going anywhere. I, I love the platform, but I didn't like that there was no way to do sponsorships in a way that I enjoyed. Well, now that's not the case. And also, they made it to where I can favorite the pieces I use, and it doesn't feel like I'm digging through all of my logs of, you know, adding my bumpers and whatnot. I love what they did. And I hope that you guys enjoy the show. 
Remember, I have a Patreon, Eric Frankhouse Presents at Patreon, where I do maps, create new settings, and just things to help players and GMs. I also do plotted adventures. My Fire's Hunger is up for Rob Schwab Entertainment Shadow of the Demon Lord. You can find that either at Rob Schwab Entertainment or you can find it on DriveThruRPG, along with my first and second plotted adventure, Crimson Chain. Plotted adventures are an audio guided adventure. The audio is notes for the GM to prep to make their life easier. You listen to the 30 minutes or so, write down your notes using a plot web of a map, and you have a three to five hour session ready to go. If you have any questions, remember to call into the show. And uh, I gotta say, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I kinda missed it. I've missed you guys. It's been two months. And I hope you've missed me and missed the show as well. Later this week, I'm going to have a two-person podcast with me and David Benedides from um, a new RPG company that is doing a superhero game. So we're going to dive into how to run superhero games in our next episode. Thanks, everybody. And like always, watch, listen, learn. Until next time.